Excellent play by the Ecuadorians, and who knows, they might have an equaliser of the future, and they do this time. Enel Valencia, his third goal at this World Cup. This is Dennis and Friends. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Dennis and Friends podcast, a place where my friends and I like to talk about whatever we want to talk about, whatever interests us, or what's going on in life and around the world. I am Dennis, I host the show, this is episode 47, and you guys hear the music, y'all know what time it is, it's time to talk World Cup. It is Friday night, November 25th, the end of Black Friday, and we've got a whole lot of games to catch up on, so Dawson is back with me to, to talk through it all. Um, how was your Thanksgiving, by the way? Was it good? Dude, it was good. I'm with my family here, up in Van Alstine, seeing the nephews. Up towards Sherman, Texas. Yeah, that's Sherman Tate in Grayson County. <laughs> that's right. Heck yeah. That's How's awesome. your Thanksgiving, dude? It was good. We uh, we usually go to, shout out Brian, Brian Gill. Uh, we usually go to my friend Brian's house with his family and just hang out because we have a good relationship with them. And so get so. to see all all his uh, his little nieces and nephews and his kid uh, I really love. So it's always a good time over there. Um, dude, this is your last uh, last Thanksgiving as a non-married person. That's true. Yeah. That's true, yeah. It's crazy thinking about all the traditions that you'll get to make your make your own, you know? Exactly, exactly. It's, it's a lot to look forward to, for sure. Best thing you ate and worst thing you ate, go. Oh, best thing I ate was from Hannah's parents. She brought me a little plate yesterday, um, okay. and it's... I think she just called it like a potato casserole, okay. but it's like, it's probably super white people type food, <laughs> but I love it, probably because okay. white, but it's just like diced potatoes, like some sort of cream sauce, cheese, ooh, and then like, ooh. it was like, not like, I mean, it might be cornflakes, but like something crunchy on the top, you know? Like, uh, like those like crispy fried onions or something? Yeah, yeah, but it wasn't onions, so there was not okay. like real flavor to it, it was just crunchy. It was okay. really good. Huh. And then worst thing I ate, probably on the same plate. It's not that it was bad. It's just the worst thing that I ate because everything that I ate was good. Just taking last place was probably this like broccoli, like broccoli salad type mixture. Okay. It was just a lot going on for me personally. There was like broccoli and like fruit type stuff. I don't know. It was, it was just a bit too, trying to do too much, you know? Yeah. Okay. But it's still good though. Probably like a six out of 10. Okay. Yeah, I had a really great pumpkin pie yesterday. Holy moly. And I had ham and turkey, which I never do. I usually just strictly do ham. But they were both really, really good. Uh, We had two mashed potatoes and one of them. They were both good, but, like, one of them was, like, less good than the other. So, like, that's what I would put as, like, the worst one. Yeah, which Thanksgiving food you can't go wrong unless you, like, literally can't cook. Which yeah. I can't cook, so I mean, what am I? Yeah. yeah, what am I saying? So, anyways, we're not here to talk about Thanksgiving food as much as we want to. That could be a whole other episode. We're here to talk about what the heck has happened the last three days in Qatar. We're going to speed through real quick the last couple of days before today, and then we'll really hunker down on uh, the four games that happened today, including I know you guys are ready, U.S. versus England. But first, let's go back to Wednesday. Real quick, first game that morning was Morocco Croatia nil nil draw. Thoughts? Um, 
I mean, we covered this the first episode I was on. I really like this Croatia team. Um, they did disappoint today. I think they should have come out with the win. And looking at the stats, they had less shots, but I think that they had more quality shots, if I'm being honest. Yeah. And I think that their shots off target. I think the stats a little bit misleading because like Luka Modric had almost a banger that was like a foot above the bar. Like if he hits that, I think that's a could be in the goal of the tournament conversation. Um, so yeah, I think I think they were the more quality team. Um, they just need to tighten it down a little bit on the finishing aspect, which a lot of teams need to. Yeah, I thought Morocco did a great job of staying organized defensively and really frustrating Croatia. Um, I thought that their lack of like quality up front really showed Croatia, yes. and that's a concern going into uh, later on as they play tougher teams in their group. And also, their defense is like aging. There's a there's a couple uh, teams in this group. Them and Belgium have very aging defenses. And they, they were able to get away with it this time. I don't know if Croatia's going to get away with it during Belgium. And as we'll talk about here in a second with Canada, I really don't know if they'll get away with it with Canada because Canada's mm-hmm. so fast and young and athletic. Yeah. So that's a cause of concern for me. Uh, Morocco had a couple chances, but like you said, not great. And yeah, those stats are just a tiny bit misleading. Um, the upset of the day was the next game after that. Japan came back after being down one to win two to one versus a uh, heavy contender, Germany. Um, I'm not ready for that at all, but also it's Japan. Japan turns up for the World Cup. So yeah. it's not all that surprising, but just the nature and how it was done and how Germany didn't do anything in the second half, especially after having decent control in the first half, was kind of odd. Yeah. Um, I think also just shout out to Japan's attackers because, like, their goals were – the first one was mad, but the second one was just absolutely phenomenal. I mean, that was almost Messi-esque, what he did to Neuer, um, just sprinting full on at him and just finishing right up above him. It was a really good finish. Um, big breakdown in, in that – I think it was one of the younger defenders. Uh, I can't remember his name. It starts with the S, but um, I think it was one of the younger defenders on him. But yeah, you could definitely tell that that Germany defense is aging a bit. Slaughterback, probably. Yeah, isn't he a little younger? Yeah, a tiny bit. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, you yeah, could. He's definitely twenty-two. Tell. Okay, yeah. I mean, even still on him, that Japan attack was very agile, very quick, very threatening. Um, and yeah, I mean they're. It's going to be interesting, Japan or uh, Germany versus Spain, what they're going to do to Germany as well. Yeah. My favorite bit was the Rudiger high knees. That's still my favorite bit from yeah. that game. Just the most like goofy stuff, man. Yeah. Um, shout out uh, Japan's coach for making the subs, the right subs, and then making mm-hmm. them at the right time. That game changer. Like, that yes. was the game right there, the way that. He brought them in right at the right moment and the way that they delivered in the yeah. last few minutes of the game. I mean, because they scored those goals like in an eight-minute span and yeah. it really shell-shocked Germany. Yeah, um, 75 and then 83. Yeah, yeah, Crazy. big time. Not as um, big also, upset as the Saudis, but, um, yeah. you know, it's still it's pretty really huge. Upset. Yeah, yeah, what and, and one last one last shout-out to Japan's goalkeeper. Um, he had oh, some he was great. really nice saves. And I didn't mention it when we were briefly talking about Morocco and Croatia. Not to downplay what Morocco did because they played fantastic. Um, and shout out to Bono as well because he had some really good saves. 
um, in that game. But yeah. Yeah, yeah. I got you. Moving on to Spain, Costa Rica. I mean, it was a blowout from start to finish. Yeah. We we know that Spain had a really good midfield, but they mm-hmm. were they were just on a different level. Um, Gavi was incredible, like legitimately incredible, and uh, not much else needs to be said. They they did their thing, and uh, Kaylor Navas I thought was pretty bad. There's a couple goals were like, eh, like you can't do anything about that. But there was a a few that were like, you can tell that his lack of form, lack of playing time at PSG, and his injury history this year has gotten up to him a little bit because um, mm-hmm. he was not as sharp as he has been previously. Yeah, I fully agree, and I think that's really all that needs to be said there. Spain's got a bright future. They've got a bright present as well, and Kaylor Navas is not where he used to be, and he doesn't have the squad to um, for them to compete. Yeah, that's going to be a long tournament for them. Ooh, Last yeah. game on Wednesday was Belgium and Canada. This is probably the one that I'm sure we're going to spend the most time on. What a weird game. What a odd, like Canada played so well for their first World Cup game in like 30 something years. They were fantastic against, I mean, FIFA rankings aren't the best, but the FIFA number two ranked team. Right. Like they dominated them in possession most of the game. They just made their chance and Canada did it. Um, mm-hmm. I had mentioned this on my Instagram. I I don't know if I've talked to you about it yet or if we mentioned it in our group chat. But my question regarding this game is, uh, about yeah, about the penalty. How, what led to the decision of having Davies take that kick as opposed to who has only done like two penalty kicks in his career from what I researched, as opposed to Jonathan David, who has made penalty kicks this year and is like nine for 12. It's just something that we aren't going to know the answer to, unfortunately, because, I mean, who knows if it was an on-field call? Who knows if it was coach's call? Um, I mean, I don't recall seeing anything of, like, them looking to the sideline when that was happening. But, I mean, yeah, I think that that's kind of a shocking decision, just considering the stats that you mentioned there. Like, And, I mean, yeah, Alfonso Davies can shoot, but he's a defender, first and foremost, like a wingback. Like, I don't know. If I'm a coach and if I'm a player, I certainly don't. Like, if I'm a player on that team and I see that happening, I'm not, I don't know. I'm not probably thrilled about that, honestly. And especially seeing how he executed the penalty, like it was it, poor. It wasn't convincing. Cause we've seen a couple penalties in this tournament. We've seen Lewandowski try to throw off Memo Ochoa. And then you see Memo Ochoa's class. Um, Courtois has class and Courtois is capable of a save like that all day, but he didn't, he wasn't tested there. And you can see that in, even in his run-up, in his swing, like the power wasn't really there. He wasn't trying to do anything. It looked like he just made up on the spot where he was going to go, really. Um, and so I think that had a huge, you know, impact on Canada's morale, honestly. Yeah. I mean, I know they had a couple other chances that they could have done better on, but that was like the chance, you know. Yeah. Um, I think VAR got or the ref got a call wrong and not call, calling a penalty later on that half, that was a big, 
big a mistake there because it was very clearly a penalty as compared to some of the other things that were called penalties in the last couple yeah. days, a la Ronaldo, which we'll talk about in like five minutes. Mm-hmm. But I also thought Courtois was amazing. The way that he performed on Wednesday was very much the vibes of how the the vibes of how he performed against Liverpool in the Champions League final back in May. Very much the same vibe where he was just on a tear. Um, but Canada, man, I think they're going to be a really tough uh, team for both uh, Croatia and for Morocco. Like they're yeah. they're going to be really, really, really tough. Um, for both of those teams, just how they're so athletic and fast and they move the ball really well. I was really impressed with a lot of their their guys like Atiba Hutchinson held it down. Alistair Johnson in the back, I think, uh, literally just got signed to Celtic or somebody today, um, wow. actually. So kudos to him. He had a great performance on Wednesday, I felt like. I thought Tejon Buchanan was fantastic for most of the game. If he just made his chances, he would have been an, a really, really amazing performance. A lot of good things that they can take away from and they can apply it to the next game. And I hope they do because I really still believe that they have a chance to get out. They were just unlucky. Like the one chance that Belgium had, like Mitchie did a great job of of putting it away, you know. Um, I thought KDB was awful, (laughs) like minus a couple passes. And, of course, he won man of the match, which he, he even said was like, that's no, like I shouldn't have gotten that. I did not find him to be very good aside from the assist and a couple other things. I thought Hazard was one of the better players on the field for them. Um, but as I mentioned earlier, like their defense is aging. Like having Vertonghen and Otherworld in the back, like it's just not the recipe for success in 2022. It maybe was four years ago when they were like more in their prime, but they are not in that anymore. They've moved on from being at super top club. So um, I, I really thought that they would be able to, you know, shut me up. Cause I, I said last episode that I was not the biggest fan of Belgium. And this just confirmed all my, not all my fears, but like all my like thoughts about how far they could go. They need Lukaku back really bad. I think yeah. Lukaku, I know he's not in the best shape right now, but he really, the way that he uh, holds up the ball, the way that he moves, I think, does a lot for them. And no disrespect to Bashawai, because he obviously did his job on Wednesday, but he needs to be um he needs to be there. Lukaku's gotta get back ASAP. So Yeah. I mean I agree with all of what you said basically. I'm not huge on this Belgium team either. Um it was a welcome sight to see Hazard play as well as he did. Um just because you know, as a Chelsea fan, he's a player that I really like and I want to see him do well. And he's a fun player to watch when he does well. So um, it was good to see him sort of be a little vintage, have some have some moments, a little, little cheekiness there. Um, I thought Batshuayi did really well, obviously considering the finish um, and the goal. But yeah, you're right; he's not there. He's not their striker. Um, I think that's pretty clear, um, and you can see. Uh, there's a moment where De Bruyne had a pass, like trying to thread the needle through. I think it was to Batshuayi, and he just like runs like the opposite way around the defender where KDB was trying to send him. And like mm-hmm. in the video, you see KDB kick it, and then he's like just stops in the middle of the field, and, like raises his hand. He's like, "What?" 
Um, so I think that that also is a little frustrating for them that there's that little bit of like, they're not used to playing without Lukaku really, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Dude, I got to stop inviting Chelsea fans onto my show. It's literally all <laughs> freaking Chelsea support now playing. You and Clay. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a super diehard Chelsea fan though. Like I, I've got my teams. Yeah. Um, yeah. You've got your other teams in, in other leagues. So yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. Okay, well, that's all of Wednesday's games. Yesterday, on Thanksgiving, Thursday, we started off with Switzerland and Cameroon. Ended up being a one nothing win for Switzerland. I thought that was fair. It was pretty even. Like, stats, really, really even. Um, possession, shots on goal. I thought Cameroon, though, had the better chances, to be honest with you. I thought they, they had a couple that they should have put away, especially Chupumoting. Him, um, him specifically, um, they did not look like I didn't think they were going to look terrible. Unlike Ghana, I did not think Ghana was going to look good. I mean, we'll talk about that in a sec, but they held their own, and it's one of those things. It's a lot like the Belgium game, where like Switzerland had their one chance, like one clear cut chance, and they did a good job of, you know, of knocking it in. But nothing too crazy about this game, I don't think. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. It was pretty evenly, evenly balanced game. Um, I, I do think that Switzerland was slightly the better team. Chupa Motang did really look amazing though. I thought, um, like I said for, um, I think Canada, but there was just a lot of teams in these past couple of days that really need to work on the finishing and just get it tightened up. Like all of these draws that are zero, zero, like could easily have been two, three, four, goals scored in the whole game you know and it's a little frustrating to watch even if even like not as a fan of the country um just because like you want to see goals and you want to see like players do what they're capable of doing so I I was really disappointed to see that out of this game but it was a good game and it makes me excited for this group because um yeah, like, like we've talked about a little bit, the, the Serbia side is also really good. And I think that that second place spot, although Switzerland's got three points, I don't really think it's completely locked down yet. I agree. Yeah, speaking of teams that need to work on finishing, I would uh, include Uruguay in that conversation. They drew to South Korea in a very, very interesting match. Like, I thought it was pretty wide open. Like it wasn't like some of the other matches we've seen where like people are like feeling each other out for a little bit and then getting into it. I thought from the get go, both teams were like going at each other. Um, Valverde was great. Yeah, He really, really did a great job. I thought my boy Darwin, I thought he could have done a little bit better on a couple things on his runs and on a couple uh, passes here and there. And even like the, couple shots that he had they weren't like the best um South Korea man they you know we we joked about it the other day with all the their their whole entire team is is just a bunch of guys named Kim (laughs) but I mean they they did well um I thought that that they really they're they're also one of those teams where like they are uh they're always down for the world cup uh-huh. Like they're they're very locked in on that, and they they feel the support of their country really well. They have a lot of pride. So although they there weren't a lot of shots on goal, um, there's only one shot on goal the whole game. You know, I thought for 
being that boring of a game statistically, it was actually like a pretty interesting match. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. So I haven't watched a lot of Prem this year, but I've heard you guys talk a lot about Darwin Nunez and I like him, how he plays watching him. Um, is this his first world cup? Yes. He's okay. like 22, 23. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think it was just evident that, I don't know, he just didn't seem locked in because I can tell how quality he is watching him. And obviously he's got the he's got the Erling Holland build, honestly. Yeah. Um, so which just makes him another level of threat anyways. And so watching him, I really think that he should have had someone send in the group chat that we're in that like Darwin Nunez hat trick incoming. And, like, he honestly should have had close to a hat-trick, in my opinion. Like, he definitely should have had two. And there was one dribble at the end where he just kind of lost space and didn't know where to go, and he got too close to the goalkeeper. Um, But, I mean, I think if he plays that a little bit better and has a clear path in his head of where he wants to go, I think he can get a goal out of that, too. So um, I'm glad for him to get the experience, and that was a really good game to get a lot of experience in because it was really well well balanced um but yeah there was just a lot of chances on your way like I think they should have clearly won like four or five at least scored for them maybe not to zero but because South Korea had a lot of good chances as well like Godin should have had a goal Valverde had that screamer that hit the post um and there was a couple cleanups from Suarez that he just kind of whiffed and didn't really. Yeah, I remember one. I think of the first half off a cross. Yeah. Yeah, which I think if if Nunez scores, if it's the one I'm thinking of, Nunez should have scored on the first touch. But then Suarez had a chance to clean it up, and he didn't. He whiffed it straight up in the air. Um, but yeah, just another game where finishing wasn't really there. Um, I loved the spirit from South Korea. I think this result is really good for them. Um, and yeah, they've got. Yeah, they've got a very good chance as well, not with sitting at a tie with Uruguay right now. Yeah, the thing about Darwin, man, is that ever since he's gotten to Liverpool, he's really been, like, struggling with his touch, with being effective and not, like, overhitting or underhitting. So that's been a work in progress. He's definitely gotten better as the year has gone on. Don't get me wrong, but there's still those moments where he's definitely not all the way there. Um, and I think this game being his first world cup game, I think that was, was pretty evident. Um, his finishing has also not been the best this year. Um, in, in situations in, in the prem, there's like a, there's a moment, um, every now and then where I'm like, dang, you got to get that. You got to, you know, put some power on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's had some good moments in counterattacks and some kind of eh moments in counterattacks in the league. Saw a little bit of that as well. So I, he'll be fine. I mean, I think them as a team will be fine. I still still think that they get out of the group. But For sure. Um, yeah, I definitely agree. Finishing needs to be worked on. I hope they're doing that in training. Yes. Um, third game of the day was uh, Portugal-Ghana. Why don't you start with this one? Yeah, I mean, this was a crazy game from start to finish, really. Um I mean, the first half was kind of uneventful, um, really all the way up until the penalty. I was kind of uninterested, um, just kind of hopping in and out of the stream that I was watching it on. Um, but yeah, Portugal didn't look great, man. 
really not until the 78th minute when Zhao Felix got his goal. Um, that's kind of when, obviously, they had that, honestly, that that little five-minute window from right before the Zhao Felix goal, like, let me pull, like, probably minute 76 to minute 81 is was when they looked their best. And that's when I was, like, like that little back-to-back goal um, from Zhao Felix and then Rafael Liao, I was like, holy crap, this team has got some spark and they've got some fire. Um, but, I mean, the rest of the game was honestly really unimpressive from them. Ronaldo looked washed. Um, I'm kind of a Ronaldo hater, and honestly, so he might get some unnecessary hate from me in this episode. Um, but That's yeah, fair. <laughs> I, thought, I thought the penalty was disgraceful. Um, I didn't want to watch it whenever it happened, just because it's annoying, man. Like, and that being the obviously they scored three, but I mean that being one of the goals just kind of irks me. You know, like I, I, I don't feel like they deserve that win. I'm not saying that Ghana deserved the win because I don't think that they look good either. It was just kind of like the whole game just looked a little unprofessional to me, if that makes sense. It's like a real scrappy game. Yeah. Yeah, the penalty call was atrocious. Like, I said it yesterday on Insta. You don't even call that. Like, I would not call that an upward. Like, I ref for upward as part of my job, and I would never call that. And so the fact that we're calling that in the freaking World Cup and not going back at VAR to review that is horrible. That's so bad. But it's only because it's Sierra 7, and I don't understand. Yeah, I I was not impressed by them at all. Very impressed by Ghana with the spirit that they played with. For sure, which they're like, that's that's their vibe too. Like them, South Korea, Japan, there was a lot of games these past couple days where it's teams like, they just have the spirit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I was very impressed by that and their like never give up mentality, and their work rate was really good. Um, obviously, defending could be a little bit better, but that's a whole other mm-hmm. thing. I thought Thomas Partey did really well yesterday. Uh, mm-hmm. Shout out our boy Connor because I know that's his boy um, <laughs> over at Arsenal. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I thought Joao Felix was was really really good, especially second half. Um, yeah. I know he has not had the best of years so far so it's nice to see him like thriving again also let us be clear they got away with one at the very end with uh, a goalie not uh, not uh you know he definitely should have gotten scored on but i think it was inaki williams who who should have gotten that or was trying to do the jose alvarado thing i was Um, literally about to say that's a jose alvarado moment yeah yeah golly it should have been 3-3 if he doesn't slip there it's 3-3 all day imagine if that had happened i think I would have lost my mind, dude. That yeah. would have been insane. That that's an all-time World Cup moment. If that. Oh happens. yeah, for sure. Yeah. And also, if I'm that keeper, I'm still thinking about that moment right now. You know. Yeah. Like I can't. Like I can't. I literally can't imagine like throwing the ball on the ground, just standing there. And I watched the video two or three times, just trying to see if you could tell if that guy was like trying to be quiet. Because could you, could you imagine standing there and then just hearing this like. Six yeah. one, two hundred pound man running full steam ahead of ahead of you. Yeah, yeah, like that must have been so terrifying. Yeah. If I'm Portugal, I would make sure they're cleaning up a lot of their stuff going into their next game because they will not get away with that versus Uruguay. I, I mean, I Uruguay must be like, oh, well, 
this is going to be an easier game than we thought, hopefully, you know. Yeah. Um, you know how Ronaldo is with how he turns up against competition. Yeah. Um, but that's a whole other thing. I want, I want to talk about him real quick because kind of lost in the shuffle of this, and understandably so because, like, why would we talk about it? Because it's the <laughs> World Cup. Is uh, his situation. Um, he is no longer attached to a club because him and uh, Manchester United Mutually agreed to part ways effective immediately for the better for both sides. Um, where do you think he goes? I don't have a gauge at all. I don't know who would want him and all his like baggage at this point and his high wages. Yeah, dude. I mean, I, like I mentioned earlier, I haven't watched a lot of Prem, but just following on social media, I know that it's kind of been abysmal. Hasn't he only started like two games? Yeah, like the first Ten Hog. Two? Yeah, yeah, Ten Hog. Started him, not the first game. He started him the second game when they got crushed by Brentford. Oh, and yeah. And the other game that he started, they also lost or or drew or something. Um, he was only starting in Europa League. Okay. So is that, like, is that on Ronaldo's form? Is that on his, like, place in the team? Like, what do you think? What's the reasoning for that? I do think that Man U plays better when he's not there. Really? That is, like, very, very evident. They played pretty good this year for the most part, and that's when he's not been in the lineup. Um, and so he hasn't been in the best of form because he he doesn't press super, super hard and doesn't mm-hmm. really have a high work rate. And yeah. so it, it makes Bruno ineffective in some ways. It makes uh, Christian Eriksen ineffective in some ways. You know, it worked when he came back the first, like, months last year, but the shine definitely wore off as the season went by um, in some regard, where he was still scoring goals, but he wasn't really being effective besides that. Um, And I know a lot of it has to do with, out of the whole interview that he had with, I can't remember the guy's name, but with all the stuff that he was saying, I do think there is some merit to him being pretty crushed by the way he was handled when telling the team about his daughter. I do think that that is a very legitimate concern. Um, There's some of the things that he said that obviously he brings it on to himself and and things like that. Um, But I do think that that kind of set him off on the wrong foot to start the year. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it just made everything bad from there. And I know Ten Hag was saying that he liked him and wanted him a part of the team, but it was pretty obvious that it was not that way at all. Um, yeah. So there's there's a lot that goes with it. Um, sure. But I think a lot of it had to do with, on the personal side, with how they were treated as a family. Because he, he makes it sound like that they didn't believe that his daughter was like sick enough to be in the hospital or not well enough to be in the hospital. And, and if that's true, then that's a terrible look on United. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. There's a, a whole lot of things, but his form also yeah. hasn't been amazing either. I mean, he's not as fast anymore, so that that's yeah. a, a big part of why it hasn't been the same. Like he, a big part of his game is his speed hasn't been yeah. there the last couple of years. Yeah, I mean, so I've got two thoughts initially, because well, I guess it's actually just one thought. Um. Do we think that it's time to come to the retirement league for him? Like, do we think is that is that where this is going? Because I think because I've seen rumors of another goat that might be also rumored to come to the 
retirement league and Lionel Messi and leading to the point where I thought it was going to be two points. I've seen other videos talking about what if they link up one day? Obviously that's kind of a far off shot and like a daydream in all of our childhood minds. But I mean, what if they link up at Miami FC? That could be crazy. I don't think he wants to do that yet. I, sure. I do think there is a spark in him that still wants him to be uber competitive. Definitely. But I don't know where that would be. Like, right? Right? Because, I mean, there, I feel like the only place where that would happen would be a lower prem team. Or I don't – I couldn't see Ronaldo in a lower tier division in those leagues, you know? But n- No, and, like, I mean, he's already – done his thing in Italy. He's already done his thing in Spain. Like, what is he going to do now? Go to PSG and then, like, be there for a year and then go to, I don't know, go to Bayern or somebody in Germany? I was just about to say, Bayern's going to buy him. (laughs) Going to do the whole uh, European Top 5 League World Tour or something? Yeah, man. Part of me thinks he may just go back to Portugal and play for Lisbon again, um, which is where he started. Yeah. Um, I know he wants to play here at some point, but also... I I also don't think he's ready to give up all the money yet because he's not going to make money when he's here. Like no. he, I'm sure the smart thing to do, and this is the same thing for Messi too. Like you got to stash all your money, and uh-huh. we're talking about guys who are billionaires at this point. So it's not like they're like you know starved yeah. for cash or whatever. <laughs> but also, it's like they're not going to be paid the forty million, fifty million in wages they haven't yeah. been paid the last few years when they get to MLS because MLS doesn't have the financial capacity to do that. Like mm-hmm. they may be able to get paid. I think the highest paid guy right now is Lorenzo Insigne who just moved to Toronto. I think he maybe gets paid eight or nine million a year. Yeah. That's kind of the threshold, I would imagine. Now if it's Miami, that's a different story because I think Beckham will try to find a way to get some money to like, you know, fork over, but I don't yeah. know. Um there are some rumors that uh, some Saudi teams would be interested in buying him because they have all this money. Um, some rumors about Newcastle, even though Newcastle is pretty out, um, but they got their, you know, their oil money in some regard. Um, mm-hmm. Chelsea's a big uh, link right now. They they have the second highest odds to sign him according to uh, betting books here. Really? So who's the first uh, to go back to Lisbon? Oh, okay, his, uh, his home club. So, yeah, I mean, I agree. The money's not in the MLS. The money would be from advertisement deals, which, you know, it's not going to be close to what he's making now, but it's probably going to be probably make more off advertising deals than he would from his contract in the MLS. Yeah. Yeah. And you're definitely right. I think they're going to, they need the smart choices to stay and get as much money as they can. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All that to say, I'm not impressed by Portugal and I think they're going to struggle and True. I really think at this point, as of now, I don't think they get past the round of 16. True. That's Unless true. they play, I don't know. I don't know who they play. That's a whole separate thing. Yeah. Last game yesterday was uh, Brazil-Serbia. I don't have much else to say on this game other than they dominated from start to finish. They were unbelievable. Every facet of the game. I do not like Richarlison at all, but that second goal was so freaking good. It was delicious. It was so clean. And the picture that came out like after the game, that hey, we practiced it in training. I was like, of course he did. Um, I I mean, I'm sure listeners, you remember that I said on the 
on the preview pod that I was super out on him being even in the squad because he's not had a good year at Tottenham. And why was he picked over Bobby Firmino, for example? But I guess he works under Tite's system, and it makes sense, and um, it all works out. Now, I do need to mention that some news came out today that Neymar is out for the rest of the group stage. That's a big deal. Really, really big deal. I mean, I know they have the wealth of options to, like, replace him. But Neymar's the heartbeat of that team, you know? Mm -hmm. And they're the guy that, like, when you think of who are they winning this title for, who are they wanting to win this title for, it's for Neymar. It's not necessarily for anybody else. It's like how Argentina's wanting to win this title for Messi. Um, So, I mean, I thought they were great. They really shut down Serbia. And, you know, we've talked about Serbia's attack on and off the air and how good they are. They really didn't do much yesterday. Yeah, dude. I mean, the stats don't lie on this one, and they're not deceiving at all. Um, 23 shots for Brazil, nine of them being on target. That's kind of a crazy number for what we've seen so far in this World Cup. Like, I think we're used to seeing proportions of like 10 shots and like two on target. But I mean, these dudes were, these dudes were sending it at, uh, what's his name? Savage. Um, and I mean, he was overwhelmed. Their goalkeeper was, and their backline yeah. was also the team of where everybody's last name ends itch. with itch in some way. <laughs> Literally everybody except I'm not even going to try to pronounce his name. Gugulin, <laughs> Gugulin. I don't know, but yeah, dude. Um, I think Brazil just kind of became one of my favorites to win. Now I honestly like going into it; they were up there, but I mean, like this Serbia team is no joke. And they kind of just had their way. Like, it wasn't even really, like, it was kind of more even than some of the games in terms of possession, but, like, still pretty domination from Brazil, so. Yeah. Was Neymar playing as a, like, Cam yesterday? Yeah, they have him listed as Cam. And then Anthony came on for him, so is that going to be a permanent, is that who's going to start for him, do you think? And are they still going to run a 4-2-3-1? which the U.S. should also run, by the way. We'll talk about that in a sec. I don't know if Anthony should replace him in the starting lineup necessarily because Anthony doesn't, or Anthony, not Anthony, like a normal Anthony, Anthony, there's no H in the name. He is not suited to be at camp. His best work is on the right. He's a right winger by nature. Um, I mean, there's other guys that that could step up there, I guess. Um, I'd like to see Bruno Guimaraes from Newcastle at some point in the starting lineup. I think he'd be uh, pretty good there. He's not like a like a defensive midfielder, like a super defensive midfielder. Like he likes to go up. Like he scored plenty of goals for Newcastle and provided a lot of contributions in front of goal. So that would be somebody who would obviously be way different play style than Neymar, but that's somebody who I would like to see there and be more of a four three three as a port post to a four two three one. Um but I don't know. I don't know who would be the best fit there. I mean, like I said, they have a wealth of people they could throw, but Yeah, for sure. Um what do you think this game meant for Serbia going forward? I hope they don't get too low. I really don't, because I think they still have a chance. I I do think that there is a pathway for them to still get out for sure. But I think that Switzerland game just got a lot tougher. I don't know who they play next, to be honest with you. Let me try to find it right now. They play Cameroon. Okay. 
Yeah, they play Cameroon on Monday morning. Okay. Well, in theory, they should be able to be fine there. Um, yeah. Depends on how Cameroon does in defense. Um, and that's the ideal matchup for them next, honestly, because they're because now Brazil and Switzerland play, and someone has to drop points there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they're both sitting at top with three and three. Cameroon Serbia zero zero. So if they pick up a win and Switzerland loses, they're tied. And depending yeah. on how much they win by, they could be in a good place with goal difference. So yeah, and then that could set up a really exciting game between those two on match day three. Exactly. In that group, so. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be that'll be really interesting. Okay, that's enough about yesterday. We got four games to talk about today. Let's start. I don't want to start with Wales and Iran. I want to talk about that in connection to the U.S. game because there's obviously a lot of implications. So let's start with Senegal thrashing Qatar and officially eliminating Qatar from the tournament. Womp, womp, womp. Imagine being a host nation and then not even, like, getting out after two games. Couldn't be literally anybody. Like, even South Africa did a better, like, they at least had a shot in the last game to still make it, um, technically. Hopefully that's not us in four years, though, you know? Yeah, hopefully not. Knock on wood. Um, (laughs) But also it's going to look way different in four years anyway with the expanded, uh, you know, expanded cup and three-man groups. Yeah, did you not know that? I have no knowledge about that. Yeah, the cup is expanding from 32 to, I believe, 48. (laughs) No way. Yeah, in four years, yeah. I missed this completely. And I think what they want to do is... Uh, groups of three teams instead of four and everybody well group so wow and so, so then I, like two different group stages no it would just be two games like straight oh. up it would be two games the top two of each group still advance but now it's that the, the knockout round now starts at the round of 32 as opposed to the round of 16 because i, like I believe that. it's still the same amount of if games so i like that more yeah so it, it gets like stressful from the start <laughs> yeah dude i'm tired of seeing draws man honestly we've i think you mentioned it in the first episode i was on there was only one zero zero draw in 2018 and there's already been like three or four i think we're at five after yeah, dude, the u.s game i'm tired of it man like i want to see extra time i don't want to see penalties because that stresses me out too much but i want to see some extra time and some urgency yeah i do too great bounce back win for senegal man i thought they really did well today obviously we've talked about sadio mane in his absence but the guys that that did great today i thought dia was fantastic that goal that he had was really great jang's goal was really great Mm -hmm. um you know like it was a pretty even game possession wise but their their chances were way better I thought Mendy had a much better game today than he did on Monday. Much yeah, better. Um, sure. Which is good for him, and I hope that that continues over um, for him next game. And for Chelsea's sake, they better hope that that continues when he gets back here in right. a few weeks. But I thought he was fantastic. And, you know, Qatar, they had their moments here and there, but just too many basic mistakes, you know? And I think part of that has to do with the fact that they didn't have to qualify. And qualified teams are just a little bit more sharp in that regard. Yeah, definitely. Um, I agree with all that. The goals were great. It was really good for Senegal going forward. Um, they play Ecuador next, um, which 
at the standings right now. They're only down one point. Uh, Netherlands and Ecuador are both sitting at four, Senegal at three. Um, Netherlands is playing Qatar, so they're probably going to pick up three there. So they're going to move to seven. So this next game is really big. I mean, this is winner gets in, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. Uh, yeah, winner Ecuador gets in. Play for yeah, the tie. Yeah. But. Yeah, big, big game. Let's go ahead and talk about that game now. Netherlands and Ecuador, uh, 1-1 draw. I mean, um, that Gakpo goal, man, was fantastic. Yeah. Holy moly moly. It he's, was great. He, he's been awesome Yeah, to start the tournament. And then Valencia's goal. My guy, again, Valencia. Y'all got to stop sleeping on Enter Valencia. He's really, really good. I'm worried that he may not play the next game because he did get injured at the end of the game, and it was not great. He had to get off with a stretcher. but it, Yeah, he got carted off. That's right. Yeah, but it wasn't like a cart off completely. Like, they just carted him to the bench, and then he was able to, like, oh, okay. kind of pull himself together, I think, from what okay. I saw. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it was a pretty interesting game. I thought Netherlands' lineup was – it was some interesting choices, you know? Like, Clayton and I were talking earlier, like, he thought it was a pretty troll lineup because you see a Klassen in there. You see uh, Coop Miners in there, uh, Delic not in there, not starting today, didn't play at all. Yeah. Um, Gakpo playing up top instead of uh, Vincent Jansen, which thank the Lord that that happened. Yeah, I was about to say, um, at least uh, Jansen today. Yeah, I thought Weghorst did good in his minutes that he had. Um, their goalie has never played on the national team until this World Cup, and I thought he he did well today. Yeah, um, He had three saves. Um, which the yeah. Ecuador keeper didn't even have a save, so kudos to him. I thought uh, Ecuador's midfield um, really held it down and did a great job of not getting a card because I think both of their midfielders were on yellows, um, Caicedo and uh, and Mendez. Yeah. And so for them to go into next week uh, on Tuesday, I think is when they'll play, to go into Tuesday and not have to worry about them like not being in the lineup because they would be suspended if they would have picked up a card today. I think that's a big win for them moving forward. And like we just talked about, that's going to set up a really exciting uh, matchup with them in Senegal. Yeah. Um, I think Mendez did pick up a yellow today, but I don't think he had one going into the game. Um, this is showing he got one in the 57th minute. Okay. Um, but yeah, Caicedo's clear now, which is good. Yeah. I'm Nopper for Netherlands was impressive today. I thought, I thought Ecuador was really, really pressuring them, especially in the second half. Um, I thought they were really going for the win there, which was nice to see some aggression there. Um, yeah, I mean, not too much else to add on to everything you said. I thought it was a really fun game. Really good to watch. Gakpo looks amazing. And for Netherlands going forward, he's going to be really fun to watch. Yeah. Future Liverpool legend, like I said in the group chat, maybe. Um, All jokes aside. Okay, Iran and Wales. Not the result that I don't think any of us were expecting. Not the result that U.S. fans wanted. Um, Two-nothing for Iran. They look completely different from when they played England a few days ago. We had our first red card in the tournament in this game with Wayne Hennessy's just really odd challenge, like coming out of the box. That was a, a super odd decision. Um, I still need to finish this game. I've I've watched a lot of highlights just to kind of catch myself up, but also this was the 4 a.m. game, so not fully there yet. 
but oh my gosh, Iran dominated. Like they yeah. had so many chances. They were pounding them in the second half. It's kind of like reverse karma for Wales, like the same way that they were pounding and pounding and, and getting after in the second half of the U.S. game. They got that handed to them in this game, I felt like, in the second half. Yeah. Um, while I was watching it this morning, um, <clears throat> I didn't wake up at 4. Woke up at like 5.30, caught like the last 30 minutes of the game. Um, yeah, I mean, while I was watching, it was really close, and it was really exciting. And <clears throat> the whole time I'm sitting there, and I'm just like, I don't know if this is I like I don't know what to take from this going into US Iran because like what the the negative part of me is like this just makes our draw to Wales look so much worse, right? Cuz like especially with today's result against England, like this team just got clobbered 6 to 2 and then they show up and they beat Wales 2 nothing. Like we should have come out of Wales we should have come out of the Wales game with a win, and that's the end of story. And Alexi, one of the one of those news newscasters on the TV, he was talking about this earlier, and he was just like, "You can't do anything about it anymore." But he kept talking about it over and over, and I, I feel the exact same way. Like, I know we can't do anything about it, and it's in the past, and we just got to go ahead with two points now. But we should have four, and we should we should have four. We should already be sitting in Iran's position of needing to play for the draw needing to play for the win, you know, like it shouldn't be up to this game having to get the win to go through. Like we should have already beat Wales and that's all I'm going to say about it moving forward, but it was just really frustrating. Um, But yeah, Iran looked completely different. They looked awesome. The goals, they really, it was kind of a, um, I can't remember the game, but, but, but there was another game we talked about where it was really even throughout the whole contest. And then it was one zero at the very end. And then they got a quick goal to make it 2-0. And it's like, it really should have. I think we were talking about the first Netherlands game. When yes. they had the late goal. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It really should have finished 1-0. And like, that would have been a fair result. But then Wales, I think, obviously, when you go down late in the game, you're like, crap, we got to equalize. Um, so all credit to them for, you know, showing that aggression and showing that desire to at least get a point from their current situation, but that really just led to the breakdowns and Iran took advantage of that, which takes skill to do. And they showed up today with skill and they counterattacked very well. And they were a very efficient team today. Yeah. This is a very uh, Jekyll and Hyde team, I guess, because they were just like down in, in the dumps on Monday against England, like no energy to the team at all. And, just completely different today. So I'm in the same boat. Like, I have no read on how they might play on Tuesday. I have the feeling they're going to play more like how they did today against the U.S., more so than when they played against England. But um, I don't know. They they really threw a wrench in, in everybody's thinking for this group because um, it really wasn't to be expected. I don't understand Wales' tactics half the time. It's really, really just like, Everybody just kind of sits back, and then when we get forward, we're going to let Bale and Dan James and Kiefer Moore just kind of do one-on-one. I didn't feel like it was very connected. You know, even going back to the U.S. game, I felt like there's, in the first half especially, like not a lot of stuff happening, especially from midfield. And I don't know, man. That team is really interesting. Like 
and confusing in the way that they play with the personnel that they have. I know it's not the best group that they like could have and not the most ideal thing, but I don't know. I just find it odd watching them play. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, definitely. I mean, just in agreement with that, the way the lineup graphic has Wales lineup set up on my phone is like, you've got Memphum, Rodon, and Davies as the back three. And then it's like the middle five, just all in a line. You got Roberts, Ramsey, Ampadu, Wilson, and Williams, just like lined up in a line. And like, that's honestly kind of how it feels watching them is they're just all like jumbled in the middle. And then it's just like, whoever gets the ball, go do something, you know? Yeah. Super strange, man. Super strange. I mean, Wales can still get in, man. They got to beat England by five. So not yes. all hope is lost. Is it five them. or four? Something like that. I don't I think remember. it's four because England – because England's sitting at plus four right now. So if they get beat by four, they'll go down to zero. And if Wales wins by four, that will bump them up to plus two. And so okay. if they win by three, they'll both be sitting at plus one. And then I think it would be goals scored would be the tiebreaker, which England has more because they have the six. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Interesting. So, yeah. They, Wales need to win by four, but... I don't know. Yeah. Not like they're getting goals from up play anyway. Yeah. Their one goal that they got was on a, on a penalty. So not great. Exactly. All right. England, USA. You start. Uh, you're, the, you're the USA fan. Well, I mean, I'm semi-USA, but you're the full on USA. Let it all out. Dude. I texted you after the game. Like I was literally shaking during the game and like, Every single chance we got, I was, like, immediately standing up and, like, we're so close, dude. We're so close. Oh, it was so frustrating. It was so, so frustrating. But it was so encouraging, too. Like, I have so many mixed emotions, and I just wish Iran hadn't beat Wales so I could, like, be happier with the result, if that makes sense. Because, like, now I'm stressed about the Iran game. And, like, what if Iran plays for the draw? Like, they're, they're just going to park the bus all game. And, like, how are we going to score? Because we haven't scored. We, we're sitting in the same boat as Wales. We've had a hard time scoring. And our finishing was not good today. We had 10 shots. Only one was on target. Um, Pulisic made some really good chances. McKinney had a um, 2014-esque miss that, that we missed in, in the Belgium game. Um, just shot it straight to the moon. Um, he should have scored there. We we could have easily won this game two three, to if I'm being unbiased, uh, Harry Kane should have made that header at the very end. Um, yeah. That was very surprising. There was I, honestly I think England should have had two goals. There was another one very early. It was Harry Kane. Harry Kane should have had two goals, um, and I think we got very lucky that he didn't score in the tenth minute. I believe it was because, um, like I was saying last episode, in the keys for us to winning this game. If England had scored in the 10th minute, I think we either would have had a LeBron James against the Golden State Warriors type comeback, or we would have shut down completely. Um, and it's just with this team and with Greg, I have no idea what the answer is going to be on any given day. Um, and that's frustrating. It really is. Like, I love this team, and I love the players, and I love the talent. But it's just a frustrating team, man. Like, they can't 
they can't get structure going in the middle. Like, I thought Musa was really bad today. We'll get into the players later, but I, just briefly, I thought Musa was really bad today. Um, I thought Weston was really bad today. I thought Pulisic did okay, but, I mean, like, there was very little structure going in our attacks. It was all just, like, it was basically all built off Matt Turner scooping up the ball and, like, instantly going while England had, like, four or five guys in our box. So, like, we were catching them on the surprise, but they would get back because they were just used to that kind of tempo. Um, So we just really needed to slow it down, which Matt Turner did at the end, and I really appreciated. Like, he finally picked up a ball in, like, the 85th minute, and he was, like, about to, like, throw it out super quick, and then he, like, put it on the ground, and he was like, let's take a breather, let's figure this out. So I really appreciated that from him. But, yeah, man, it was just a frustrating game. that I really think we should have won or at least had some goals scored in the game. Yeah, I, I want to get more into the player side of it, more so than I'm not going to repeat all that you just said, because um, I agree with most of it. Um, I'll talk about the England side of things real quick. I, I told you, and, and I think our group chat earlier, I thought Southgate just managed an awful game. Like that, Like, how in the world... Gareth Southgate, can you let that happen? His halftime speech, I guess, wasn't good because they were just so lackadaisical. Um, In the second half, like, they were gassed. And that's not something that you would expect from an England team that is way more fit than probably most of the teams in the world because they're playing in the Premier League. Like, every single guy except for Jude Bellingham is playing in the Premier League. I was so just you know, shocked by the way that they played, like no energy whatsoever, nothing to really get them going. Um, I thought Kane was probably the best player on the field. Um, I thought Maguire played really well, and that's honestly about it. Jude did not play that great today. I know he had a shot that was okay, but it was not um, ideal. I thought Declan was not super great either. Mason Mount had a great chance. They got saved by Turner. Kudos to Turner for saving that. That was like the one like impact that he had on the game. Uh, I thought Saka was awful, um, yeah. like super ineffective. On the McKinney chance that you just mentioned, like he just kind of drifted mm-hmm. and like let McKinney have that space. That's the only reason why that chance happened because he just kind of like started creeping back, but like did it in such a like lazy way, and like yeah. Weston was just wide open, and you can just immediately see like, oh, like five seconds before, like there was no space for that. Like that pass would not have gotten through. If Saka just stays there because it's coming off a set piece, then it would have been fine. I thought, um, thought Raheem was okay. I thought he kind of created some chaos on the left side a little bit, um, which makes sense with how Des played. Um, cause I thought Des was kind of, eh. Um, yeah. so that, so that made a little bit of sense. Um, I thought the wingbacks were not good at all today. Especially, uh, especially Shaw. I thought Shaw was really bad yeah. today, and he he should have gotten a yellow card. Um, Trippier was the better of the two, but let's not act like Kieran had a great game either. Um, Pickford wasn't really tested, so it's not like you can say much about him. I thought the subs that uh, Gareth made were were not good. Um, I think uh, Grealish was okay. Like he he made some stuff kind of happen there at the end because he's such a different uh, type of player than Raheem. Um, he's not as fast, but he's 
a little bit more crafty and, you know, likes to move a lot more. I love Jordan Henderson. That's my guy. I mean, that's the captain of my team. But why is he in the game? Like, you you have Jordan Henderson, and if, if you want, like, if you want high pressing, sure, because he has, like, a really high work rate. But he's not going to provide you creativity. That's what they needed. They needed creativity um, today in the in midfield and, and from somewhere else. Um, I need to look at who all they subbed off just to be sure. It was um, Sterling for Grealish, Bellingham for Henderson, and Saka for Rashford. Yeah, Rashford didn't do anything either. Yeah. Um, I am shocked that Phil Foden is not in that game. Me shocked. too. And I know I was... at the... You know, like U.S. fans are like, hallelujah, like, because oh, yeah, exactly. we know the talent that Phil Phone is. I can't stand the guy, as we know, because um, I'm very anti-city. But also, he is a very, very talented player. I'm not going to knock on his abilities and the way that he can change games. Why is he not on the field, man? Like, why? I would have put him over Grealish. Like, yeah. instead of subbing Grealish in, I would have put Foden in. Um, and, get, and Southgate was like, well, he doesn't operate in the middle. Well, duh, he doesn't operate in the middle. Put him on the left side. That's where he runs the show. Move like, your freaking lineup. Yeah, like, why are you putting Grealish in in that case anyway? Like, he would have done a lot better. Um, I I was so just dumbfounded at that. Um, I don't know if James Madison is fit. I, I don't think he is. No, he's not because he wasn't even on, on the available substitutes list. He would have made a big difference today. Um, not to get biased with Liverpool players, but Trent Alexander-Arnold is one of the most creative players in the entire world. And yeah. I know he's had a terrible defensive year, and I've crushed him on it this year. But you have to play him in that scenario. Like, you have to get stuff to happen. You have to make chances happen. And Trent can do that. That is the best thing that he does. And the fact that he's not being subbed out for Trippier is dumbfounded. Like, it's just dumb. Like, why would you not do that? Um, yeah, I would have put Trent and Foden in for sure um, to switch things up. Just what an abysmal game from Gareth. I mean, I know they can get away with it because they got the win the first game. Mm-hmm. But, oh, my goodness, they cannot get away with that against better teams. Yeah. Cannot. So. Yeah. They better hope that one, they better hope that a couple other guys get fit. Um, but man, I was just so confused at the way that he managed that game and not a lot of leadership either from him. And it, like, obviously that reflected on the players. Cause I felt like McGuire being the captain, he didn't do a lot to like spark his team on anyway. Um, was McGuire or, the captain? Yeah, I think. It's Maguire or Kane, one of the two. I can't remember. Yeah, I think Kane was captain today. But I if mean, it's both. Kane, then yeah, yeah, yeah. They're the leaders of the team. Yeah. Kane did his part for sure. Like I said, I thought he was the best player. Yeah. Yeah, I, I am so, so confused as to why. And I know he does that a good bit, and English people like really get onto him for that. Mm-hmm. And this is why you have a big roster so that you can have these options. Like, I don't know, like. And it's if why he's not subs, right? Yeah, and he only used three. And, yeah, the fact that you use three when you have five, like, why? You have five for a reason, so why would you not? If you're looking to make changes and your guys have played 70, 80, 90 minutes, like, sub them off. Like, at the very least, a set of fresh legs is going to change the out, the, 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 
like outcome of the game just because it's a fresh player against a player that's not fresh. Yeah. Connor Gallagher could have been a good fit for Declan or, or for Mount. Even I know I've talked about why Calvin Phillips should not be on this team because he's not fit literally, but he would have been a nice uh, change to have as well. Um, the rest of these guys are defenders. I forgot to mention John Stones. I thought John Stones actually did really well today. Um, yeah. Definitely the two, the better of the, well, I don't know. McGuire and him were both good. I don't want to say he was better than the two center backs. Yeah, they both but, had very similar Yeah, they they were very steady. Very, yeah. very, very steady for both of the, for the entire team. Gosh, I'm getting ahead of myself with my words. Anyway, um, yeah. I, again, I'm so confused. I'm so, so confused at the way that that, was managed but again they're they're technically they can get away with that they're yeah, fine and i think that's another frustrating aspect of it for me is like gareth southgate had that sort of game and we didn't capitalize on it you know because like the whole time i'm sitting there dreading the moment that phil foden steps onto the field i was dreading rashford coming out of the field but then he didn't really do anything thank goodness um but like I'm dreading Trent coming out of the field if I'm playing in that game, you know? And we know Greg, and he's going to make the changes too late. And that's why, like, England had the first sub. And there was, like, 15, 20 minutes of England playing with two more fresh players than the U.S. had. And, yeah, and also the ball didn't go out of bounds forever, so that's yeah, part of it. It's like, yeah, and that's, the, you know, you can't control that. And so I appreciate that he made that sub, but, like, to my point, that's why you need to sub earlier, dude. Like, because you never know how long the ball is going to stay in play, right? Like, Aronson could have been standing there till the 80th minute, you know? And honestly, if I'm England, I'm tr- like, they're trying to keep that ball in, you know? Like, they don't want the U.S. to get a sub. They don't want a set of fresh legs on the field for the U.S. And so whenever you see that you have two more players in, that are fresh than the U.S. And then you like see, oh, they're, they're making a sub, like there's a player coming to the side. Like I'm keeping that ball in bounds for as long as I can, you know, because that gives them the advantage. And so, but yeah, I mean, the, the bad game from Gareth was scary to me because like we couldn't even score whenever they're having a, a poorly coached game and whenever their players are clearly uninspired. Uh, so I think that was the the one negative that I took away from this game and how we performed and how we approached our finishing and chance creation and everything like that. Um, but yeah, I think uh, Harry Maguire did outstanding today. And before the world cup started, I was so excited because I wanted him to just be made a fool. of. <laughs> I wanted Christian yeah. Pulisic to just like do the filthiest Meg on him and score a goal, like in the same sequence, like the dude, he showed up today I think we had, uh, we had, let me see, we had seven corners. I think he headed out six of them. And I think yeah, they were, sounds right. I think they were in a row, like it was the first six, he headed out the clearance. And then I don't remember what happened on the last one. Um, but I mean, dude was like, he might have another concussion today because of how many corners he took to the dome. Yeah. And so like, like it was outstanding. And he almost, he almost took a dribble inside our box and almost banged it in for a goal, dude. dude I was I terrified about when that. that I was literally like, what are you – like, we were about to let Harry Maguire do us so dirty, and it was going to be a meme for the next four years. <laughs> so, 
he had a great game. All props to him. Um, yeah, everybody else in England's midfield was borderline horrendous. Um, Harry Kane should have had a way better game. Yeah, yeah. they did not help him out. No, either. So part of his uh, struggles are attributed to that. Okay, let's talk about U.S. players. Let's start from front to back. Let's start with the forwards. Um, Wea, Pulisic, and Wright. Yeah, let's talk about those three first. Well, first off, do you think we were in a four-three-three? Because when I have this lineup pulled up, it, it, says- it no, it was it was definitely switching between a four-three-three and a four-four-two. Yeah. Okay. That's what I thought. Like that's what I, I thought it was four three three watching the game, but I just pulled it up and I was like, wait. But yeah, that's Ballistic was dropping back some, and then McKinney was kind of filling up the right side. Yeah, like uh, dropping back beneath Wea. Uh huh. But yeah, I'll let you start off with Ballistic okay. Hodge and Tim. Yeah, I thought Tim did pretty decent today. Um, you know, made stuff happen. Not impressed by Wright at all. Um, he had like one or two like moments, like he had a, a header, um, that was not the best. Um, but I mean, he didn't cause chaos, which that's what you got to do. Um, so not super impressed. That Pulisic was fine. You know, I, I don't know which of the two games he was better. I guess technically last game he was better cause he had the assists, but, um, I feel like he, he was kind of contained a little bit by uh, the defensive of England, to, to their credit, that's good on them, and they know because they play against him every week. Most of those guys do. But I I wish he would have done a little bit better. I wish there was a couple more better decisions from him. I also don't think Greg set him up for success today, and I want to talk about that also um, in relation to Aronson when we get to him later, but you know, with how the system is run and how it was run specifically today, I feel like he had his chances to shine, but it wasn't like he was the main guy to shine um, in some moments of the game either. So, I don't know. It was, you know, if I were to rate him at a 10, I'd give him like a six and a half. Like, he was just, he, you know, he's fine, but it wasn't amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I was very unimpressed with Haji today. I'm a little bit upset that he got the starting spot because I just don't think that he's got the experience quite yet to, I mean, not that Josh Sargent does, but like, I think Josh Sargent did better in the minutes that he had starting than Haji did today. Obviously the opponent was a little tougher. Um, yeah, I, I didn't like that he was starting. Um, I think Tim Wea did really well today. Um, yeah, I think these guys just had an overall, obviously tougher opponent today. So, I think their performances were still really good up top. Pulisic did really well. I think I would probably rate him about the same, probably a seven. Um, I liked what he was doing more so in terms of actually facilitating and like, yeah, good of, point. It, it looked like he was wanting to hold on to the ball for longer and like do more with it. And he was also calling for it a lot more today, which I really like to see. I did think it sort of hurt us sometimes where he held on to the ball a little bit too long. I think there was two or three, maybe even four chances where if he gets out of pass a little bit earlier or sees something a little bit earlier because he's actually looking for it. It didn't look like he was looking a lot of the time. But I think if he does that, then I think we get a little bit of something going there. So 
I liked what I saw from him, and I think he sort of took that burden of, like, I've played these guys. Like, I know vaguely what we should do. Um, so I, I appreciated that from him today. I thought it was a good showing of leadership. Yeah, I agree. Midfield. MMA. You start. Um, Musa was my dud today of the match, I would say. I think he was one of the people that did the worst today. Um, I think he made a lot of dumb challenges, a lot of dumb fouls. He should have walked away with the yellow card, I think. Um, I think he lost possession far too many times. I think there was a lot of bad passes from him. So it, it was kind of very disappointing game from him for me. And I was surprised that he wasn't subbed off ever. Like, honestly, I would have wanted him off of the field around the 50th minute, maybe maybe 60th. Um, but I think Aronson should have come on for Musa. I think Aronson coming on for McKinney was dumb. I think Aronson needs to be in the middle of the field, partially a lot closer to Pulisic. They need to be right next to each other because they play very similarly. And I think that if we get them, like, in this 4-4-2 with Pulisic on the far left, if you put Aronson in that left midfield spot, like left center mid, um, and then you put Josh Sargent and Wea at the top, I think there's a lot of good things that are going to be facilitated up towards the top from those two guys. Um, but yeah, anyways, I love Tyler Adams today, man of the match, in my opinion. Um, he showed why he's the captain again. I think he showed it last game, but he showed it again today. He had some amazing saves. He saved us from going 1-0 down at the very end of the game. Um, and he, there was plenty of times where he was barking at everybody else, like evidently mad at what breakdowns were happening. So I appreciated that from him. Thought he had a really good game. I'd say eight or nine out of 10. Um, McKinney unimpressed me today. Obviously that miss early in the game weighs heavy on his performance for me personally, because I think that that was like, if we score there, like that was, would have been huge. Um, but I mean, yeah, honestly, throughout the rest of the game, he was, I don't know, he just looked a little scrambled. And I think that's how we kind of looked just generally in midfield today, aside from Christian. Um, so I'd probably say five or six out of 10 for McKinney. Okay. This is where I think we're going to differ. I thought Adams was amazing again. I super agree, man of the match. Just the way that he puts out fires for everybody, the way that he the way that he leads right now has been super impressive. Mm-hmm. Like doesn't make a lot of mistakes. Just really, really impressed. And part of that also has to do with, you know, he's familiar with how a lot of those guys play. Yeah. Uh, even in such a short time at Leeds, I think he's kind of figured out a lot of things about the Premier League. And it, it definitely was evident today, I felt like. I do think Musa was the worst of the three, but I also think he wasn't terrible, especially going forward. And this that's about the same how I feel with McKinney. I thought, like, he definitely lost the ball. He was definitely terrible in that. Anytime he had his back or away from goal, or if he was trying to pass back to, like, Reem or Zimmerman or whatever, mm-hmm. it was not good. And that was the same thing last game, too. But I thought in the final third, he was pretty solid. Um some good tackles here and there. Um, I actually thought McKinney had a really nice game, um, to be honest with you. Much better than Monday. He was very active. 
uh, making stuff happen, really patient, not letting the game super get away from him in some moments, especially in the first half. I think that wavered in the second half for sure. But I thought, especially when the U.S. really started to make their run and started to really have control of their game after the feel-out period of the first 20 minutes, I thought he really shined. Um, I think he got subbed off, not necessarily because of his performance, but I think because of his fitness and how like yeah, kind of off it's been. Um, I know that he got dinged up a little bit on Monday against Wales, so there's that to consider. Um but I, I thought he did fine, you know. Um, the better the two games for him, because I didn't think he did so hot on Monday against Wales. Yeah. Um, and for him, he needs to carry that over and excel even more on Tuesday. Um, Musa has to be better all around, um, I feel yeah. like. Um, but like I said, in the final third, I thought he he provided a lot of good moments. But he, like I said, definitely the worst of the three. Also agree that he should have been subbed off um, as well. Um for Aronson. I don't know why Aronson was subbed off for Weston. Maybe Weston gets subbed off for somebody else, but I think Greg was also smart to not necessarily try to put in Acosta or somebody like that in midfield, and you don't want to risk De La Torre because he's been injured. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like he should have kept Weston in because he's also a little bit bigger and a little bit more physical. and That's true. And that definitely helps. Also, part of me also thinks maybe because Musa, like, was in the England system that he has that, like, connection and kind of knows some things. And he's really good buddies with a couple guys on the team. I was reading an article that he's really close with uh, Bukayu and with Jude Bellingham. And so I think those two things play a factor in him playing the full 90 as opposed to Weston because Weston's playing in the Italian league and it's not the same. Um, so maybe I'm don't know if that's the full story. I don't want to assume that completely, but I, I feel like that is a factor to consider. Um, yeah. yeah, that's kind of how I feel. Adams by far, like I said, the best just has been so good these first two games. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's valid. And I, I'm definitely hard on McKinney because of that missed goal. Like, yeah, yeah, for sure. But yeah, you're right. You're right. Now that I'm thinking about it, he definitely, he definitely made his presence known in the field, which is nice. Um, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, sometimes when he plays for Juve, he'll get, like, lost in the game. Mm-hmm. And he can be such a, like, dominant force. Yeah. When he wants to be. And I just want to see that from him more consistently. Yeah, um, definitely. Just don't lean back when you take uh, shots, Weston. <laughs> just don't do that. Yeah, for Okay, sure. defenders and goalie. Um, Let's start. I feel like you and I are going to say the same thing about Turner. I thought he was great today. Again, yeah. um, his ball distribution was really, really solid today. Like, and like you said, the way that he was, you know, trying to make stuff happen and, and get the ball out and, mm-hmm. you know, try to catch him off guard was really nice. Yeah, it was very good from him. Um, I honestly think the first, like, seven minutes of the game, he was kind of scaring me with some of that distribution, like there was one pass where he started to only like roll them out to players or throw them. But there was one pass like fourth or fifth minute of the game where he like had the ball on the ground and passed it like foot pass. And he like threaded the needle between like Harry Kane and somebody else. And I was just like, did I just, did I watch that correctly? Like that was unnecessary and could have been catastrophic. So he, he did 
Start off a little shaky in that area, I think, but he definitely was solid for the rest of the game. Yeah, I agree. Let's move to let's do center backs first. Tim Ream on this team has just been so good from a perspective of he calms everything. He's such a calming, tall influence on everybody that uh, it re- like for this young team is really, really, really important. I thought he's phenomenal again today. Just his uh, his passing, his his marking, his positional awareness, spectacular. Like he's been by far the best of the defenders so far at the cup. Yeah, hundred percent agree. He saved a couple goals because of this, like in the set pieces, the way that he rose up and challenged them, and that physicality was really needed against these England players. Yeah. Zimmer was okay. You know, there was a couple passes that he had that were really risky. I mentioned in the group chat, has this dude ever passed forward ever in his life? Um, and he did. Uh, he does know how to do that, but not well. Uh, a couple risky ones. Yeah, or right at an England guy, you know? Yeah. Um, not the best. But he was definitely more composed today. Um, and I thought he had a couple uh, key, like, deflections and get outs especially first half when they got in the box a couple times like he was mm-hmm. clearing it out um not ream and so kudos to him um i mentioned in our group chat i really would like to see cameron carter vickers play on tuesday be the starter not that i don't believe in zimmerman but i just feel like ccv's like athleticness and you know his kind of big tall uh, build I think will help, and not that Walker's short by any means because he also has a big build. But I feel like him and Reem would work really well together. But also, I'm sure Greg is thinking like, why would I switch things up sure. for the last game? Just keep things consistent. But definitely better than Tuesday or Monday. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think I don't know. I. I fear that Zimmerman is in his head a little bit because of that penalty and that challenge on Bale. Like, I think, I don't know. It just seemed like he was a lot more shaky than he was in that first 70, 80 minutes of the Wales game. Like, at the beginning of that game, like, I was like, man, we've got a solid foundation of center backs right here. And then the start of this game was just like, he had those, like, couple good clearances and, he he had some good moments, but overall it just looked like he was a little bit less confident on the ball. Um, and it it also looked a little bit like he was a little less confident, like during set pieces at some moments, um, in just in terms of just like where to go. Like I'm not sure if it was him or Reem, because they both have that similar hairstyle. Um, but on that late goal that should have been a Harry Kane header, um, I think he was he was just on the wrong side of Kane and he wasn't he didn't even jump up with him. Um and it just looked like he was a little lost there. So I hope that he finds his way back to the beginning of that Wales game because I think that you're right. Like he him and Reem are a really good like duo that we've got going on and I don't think that I don't think that Greg should seek to change that up necessarily right now. Like I mean if we start the Iran game and he completely like 
just loses his way, like, yeah, I think make a change. But I think we've got a good little situation there. I also think he specifically got bailed out today with England's pressing because they did not press as hard as I think they could have, especially with the personnel that they have. Yeah. This goes back to, you know, Sokka and Sterling specifically. They were so just out of it today. Mm-hmm. I did I did think that, that Grealish kind of helped in that regard with his pressing, and there was a couple moments in the second half where they were really trying to get after it. Yeah. Um, and had they done that more, I think they would have gone to Walker a little bit more than what they did. So he definitely got a little help from uh, the weird tactics of Southgate. Um, but, yeah, it, that, I definitely see what you're trying to say, like, there, there was definitely some shakiness, and um, hopefully that goes away between now and, and Tuesday night for sure. Yeah. Um, the the fullbacks was doing together. I kind of mentioned earlier. I thought Des was okay um, today. Maybe a slightly a little bit better than last game, um, yeah. especially from an offensive standpoint and even defensively. I didn't think he was super super bad, but there was a couple moments, like I said, where Raheem really got after it. Yeah. I've been so impressed with Anthony Robinson, man. Jedi has been killing it so far. His movement up the field, his runs that he makes, him and him and Reem are just, you know, you can tell that that chemistry has been really good and it's like carrying over into this national team uh, situation. So kudos to him, man, because he's been one of the standouts for sure between him and Adams and Reem. I've been really impressed by those three. Yeah, me too, man. I thought... Anthony had some really good moments too defensively, which he didn't really get the chance to against the Wales team, just because like there weren't as many chances for Wales in that game. But this game, like he really showed defensively what he what he's capable of. And there was one specific time where I think I don't know if Reem was out of position or if he just got beat, but like Anthony like dropped back down the middle to sort of recover. And I, I want to say it was around like the 60, 70 minute mark. Um, but yeah, man, it was just really good to see what he's capable of defensively. And I think that he also had some really good attack starting, um, moments like he did in the Wales game. I think there was still that connection with him and Pulisic, um, which was awesome to see. Um, Dest, I think had a really good game as well. I think you're right. Raheem kind of got to him a little bit, but I mean, that's going to happen sometimes when you're going against this sort of caliber of team. I don't understand the Shaq Moore sub, if I'm being yeah, honest. Yeah, let, let's talk subs now. Let's talk them all together. Yeah. Um, the Shaq Moore sub was kind of confusing to me. I was very surprised to see that that was – I mean, that was the – that was in the first group of subs. Like, Aronson came on in the 78, and Shaq Moore came on in the 79 is what my phone says. So I assume that they, they were together, um, like, at the same time. But I was just like, why is that – the priority right now, right? Like he's not having, he's not doing horrendous. He's not like, he's not like caused an error that's given England a quality chance, right? Like, he, like sure he got beat a couple times, but I just, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't see a reason to sub him off. And especially for Shaq Moore, like Shaq Moore came on and just instantly almost got a yellow for no reason. I was like, he really got lucky there. I was very surprised to see the sort of, boldness in his tackling which like I like the I like the boldness but you gotta chill out a little bit especially when you come on right in that moment uh what do you think what do you think about Shaq Moore you know I mentioned it 
in the preview episode, I mentioned it with Ryan when we talked about the roster, and I mentioned it today. I really think Shaq is on this team because of his one-on-one defending and just, like, his willingness to go after it or to get after it. And today, you know, there was a couple tackles and fouls that he had that definitely stopped some things that England were trying to do. But yeah. there was a lot of mistakes that he made in the short amount of time he was on the field. Looking back on it now, maybe DeAndre would have been the better move there um, instead of Shaq. But I really think it's because in those sort of situations, you need, you know, in case England goes on a run, you need to have, like, solid, like, defenders who won't lose their way. And he had a couple moments, like, there was one play where Grealish was trying to get in the box and do his thing, and Shaq slowed him down really, really well. Um, And then there was a couple... minutes later where he did that again, but I can't remember who it was on or who he was trying to defend, but I know he did not have the best of games. He was honestly pretty bad, but there were a couple moments where he, his influence was there um, and why he was selected to the team because of his willingness to be good one-on-one um, and to not lose his ground and to not, you know, you know, get dusted by these like, shifty crafty fast england players you know what i mean yeah for sure um how do you so how do you think dest like i remember that specific scenario you're talking about where Grealish is sort of trying to slice and dice him up the corner of the box um how do you think dest fares in that situation not good really um, i think Serginho, one of his biggest faults is that he will sometimes either overcommit or he won't like he won't move quick enough. Mm-hmm. Um, it just it really depends on the situation. It really depends on where he's at. Yeah. But it's just so inconsistent. Um, he can either try too hard to, to make the big move and then get dusted and, and taken out to the outside, or he, you know, is just kind of hanging back a little bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's that's why I think Shaq is there to kind of cover for that. Cause that's Serginio's. I know he's a fullback, but his defending's not his thing. He likes to get yeah. up the field. He likes to make stuff happen in the final third. So, um, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. It, I don't know if that would have led to a goal per se, Yeah, but I think Shaq really had a nice moment there to, to stop what Grealish was doing. Cause he was trying to cut back inside and, and try to get a shot on goal. Um, yeah. with all those people in the way of Matt, um, you know, I want to say Aronson had a good game, but I really don't think the system is suited for him. No, because um, he wasn't pressing all the way. Like mm-hmm. there was a lot of moments where he was like dropping back, like being told to like come back. Like that's not his strength, Greg. Like his best strength is just him going on hundred and ten percent ninety minutes of the game. Like him just going and going and going. That's why he's been so successful at Leeds this year. Because uh, Jesse Marsh gives him the freedom to do that. And that's kind of how Leeds plays anyway. Um, but he's just relentless in his pressing and in his work rate. And it hasn't been there. Um, in part because Greg doesn't want him to do that for whatever reason. Which is so odd to me. Because again, our system is so based on what happens out of the wings as opposed to what happens in the middle. Um, so, which is a bummer. Because that's just, you're like wasting his talent. You're wasting his mm-hmm. biggest strength in that regard. Yeah, dude, that's the, like, I don't think I can, like, say enough how frustrating that it was to watch some of this stuff like that, just because, like, 
you've got this dude who like he's going to be a part of this team in the next World Cup. And, you know, he if he's if he keeps his form and he stays healthy, he could even be at the next one after that. And so like I don't understand having him on the roster. I don't understand not starting him right now. Agreed. But at that point, like, okay, he's on the bench, fine. I don't understand not adjusting your lineup and your current system to the people that you're bringing on, right? Like, you had this arguably garbage lineup anyways and starting formation, but, like, then you bring on Aronson, you bring on Reyna, and you bring on Sargent, and you don't alter it at all. You just throw them in where Wea, Haji, and McKinney were, and you're just like, all right, do something. And it's like, you can't expect, like, these are different players. Like, Josh Sargent doesn't play like Haji Wright does. And Aronson does not play like Weston McKinney does. Like, they're two completely different players. And you can't expect to throw them in the same formation, the same system, and expect them to actually thrive. Like, Aronson, Aronson's a cam. Aronson's a winger. He's not, like, putting him in a right mid spot just doesn't make sense. And he can't have the full effect, and he can't be in the position to make the most impact on the game. And that's where you want to put your guys. And again, to, to harp on the four-two-three-one, he would be the perfect cam with Pulisic on his left, or even Aronson on the right and somebody in the middle, and Sargent or Wea at the top. Like, that's really... Because then you have Weston and Adams able to be that strong, solid sort of defensive mid area, but, you know, McKinney can go up and do his thing. Um, and that's just such a more commanding role for Adams, too, at that sort of spot on the field for a captain to be in. Like, I don't know, dude. It's just infuriating to me that, like, we have the talent of Gio Reyna and we have the talent of Aronson and we're not utilizing it to the efficiency. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I thought Reyna, I mean, I don't even know what to really say. He wasn't yeah. giving the ball. Yeah, you can't. You know? Yeah, you can, and same thing for Josh Sargent too. Like, I don't even. Did you see Josh Sargent get a touch in? Honestly, I don't I think don't he remember. did. I think Reyna's touch came in like the ninety second minute. Yeah, like, yeah, dude. It's just it's so frustrating. Like when you look at the sub comparison, like Grealish comes on in the seventieth minute with Jordan Henderson. So you've got two subs that have guaranteed twenty minutes to play. Like, 20 minutes is a long time in this game, right? And then you bring on Rashford with 10 minutes guaranteed to play, and we ended up having four minutes of stoppage time. So Grealish and Henderson get 24 minutes. Rashford gets 14. You bring on Aronson and Moore in the 79th minute. That's 15 minutes for them to play. And you bring on Reyna and Sargent in the 84th minute. That's – I can't do math. That's – it's like 10 minutes. Yeah, that's that. 10 minutes for them to play. Like, what are, like, that's not enough time to, like, get into a groove, settle into the lineup, and make an impact, you know? Like, I don't know. Yeah. I want to talk uh, just a couple more things, some observations that I saw. England is very good because they're not that great in open play as far as attacking goes. Mm-hmm. they get a lot of their goals from set pieces. And that was yeah. one of the things I was wondering today. Like, okay, is McGuire going to wreck havoc like he did against Iran on Monday? Is John Stone's going to wreck havoc? 
Uh, is Trippier going to provide good crosses? Is Shaw going to provide good crosses? Things like that. And the U.S. did such a good job defending those set pieces. Like, I was very, very impressed, especially towards the end of the game, how composed the back line was and how, mm-hmm. like, the right timing to, like, move and all the things. Like, they did such a good job of uh, of holding it down because that's their biggest strength because, like I said, there's so much chaos that happens, especially with McGuire and how tall he is and how he likes to run deep in the box and stuff like that. I thought the last play of the game where the U.S. had a free kick and then we just kind of, like, didn't actually send it to the box was a terrible decision. Like, what are we doing? Um, yeah. I know we talked about the the ref did um, a bad job blowing the whistle there, but also why was that the last play of the game? Like, genuinely, that was, like, just send that in the box, get some air on it, and see yeah. what happens because you never know. Um, and speaking of the ref, I thought the ref was atrocious today. Um, like didn't want to give a card out. It's like, dude, like I understand, like you don't want to like give out too many, but there's gotta be a balance. And there was a couple challenges where like studs were up like high and nothing was called or stuff was just called a regular foul. Like you gotta, you know, discipline the players for the things that they do. I just thought he was really, really bad today, but yeah. Um, similar to the Wales game, we had 15 fouls called against us, the U.S., and England only had nine called against them. Um, I thought there was, again, a lot of missed calls that, that were not given to us. Um, there were a couple of calls that I didn't think were fouls that we got the we got the whistle for us, which, you know, I'll take it whenever they're not calling obvious fouls. Um, yeah, that last set piece... I whenever he initially passed, I think it was Reyna. I think that's actually when his touch came. Um, but he sent it out to Reyna on the side, and then he just like I've when I saw the ball going to him, I was like, "Oh, this is actually kind of creative." And then he didn't whip it in, and I was like, "Oh, <laughs> this is not creative at all." Um, yeah, it was a little disappointing. We could have very easily snuck out a last second goal there and it would have been awesome but yeah yeah interesting stuff okay um let's talk tuesday i mean it's real simple right like it's win and get in you can't draw you can't lose yep so what what's it gonna take for the u.s to to advance past this group um we gotta finish our chances Plain and simple, like, and we got to, I don't know, it's not going to happen, but Greg needs to get guys like Aronson and Reyna involved in a place where they can thrive. Like, we've seen through two games that Haji Wright isn't the answer at striker. Like, not to write him out, say that he's not a good piece in this U.S. team, but we haven't played Jesus Ferreira at all. We haven't given Aronson more than, I guess he's got probably like maybe 30 minutes of playing time. Gio Reyna has had 10 minutes of playing time. I think where we're at right now, if we tie or if we lose, it's going to be the same result. So you need to play for the win, right? And I think honestly today that was true as well. If we had lost today, we would still be in the same position of we need to beat Iran and we'll still get through, right? So... We should have been doing all that we could 
to scrounge a goal out today, even if it meant getting scored on three, four, five times, in my opinion. Like, because if you're not going to get eliminated if you lose, who, who freaking cares? Like, try all you can to get a goal. Get this team going. We need to get our finishing cleaned up. We need to get our guys hot. We need to figure out how to create chances in this World Cup against these teams. And so I think on Tuesday, we need to have 75, and I think we will, but we need to have 75 to 80% possession. Um, And we need to have at least 15 shots. At least. And I think 10 of them need to be on target. (laughs) I don't think that's going to happen, though. But like, what I'm saying is that we need to be getting quality chances and we need to be doing it like our tournament depends on it because it does. Um, yeah. And I think defensively, I think we're going to do a great job. I don't think, I think Iran's going to play for the draw quite honestly, because they get through. Um, so I don't, I foresee them, obviously they'll have some counterattack chances, but we should have our four back line back ready to stop the counterattacks. So I think it's just, hammer, 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 and we need to win, and we need to get scoring. I think a big key is when the scoring happens, I think if the U.S. wants to have a a good hold of the game, they need to score early. Yes. Somewhere in the next, or in the first 30 minutes, I would say. There's got to be a goal in there somewhere. Because you don't want to get into a position where nothing has happened in the 70th minute and then you're just like stressed out and nervous and trying to really push and press and then and then you get caught out and then they score on a counterattack goal and then it's over. Um, So they have to set the tone. I think the midfield has to set the tone like really hard, um, Adams and McKinney specifically, um, for this team. And... They need to play through the middle more. I mean, that's, that's glaringly obvious to me. You're right, obviously, about the subs. I'm not going to repeat the same thing that you've said because I've been saying it too. Play the four-two-three-one. It's not that hard. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there there has to be a sense of urgency from the get-go. Like the U.S. cannot hold back at any point in this game. They have to from opening kick to the final whistle, be on top of it at all times. Because, I mean, their lives depend on it, you know? Yeah. And if not, you go home and you rest up for a week and you're back at your club in a week or two. So that yeah. that tone has to be set. Because like you said, Iran's going to play for the draw. They're going to park the bus until yeah. that first goal is scored. And then the game will open up. And that might yeah. play into the U.S.'s hand a little bit. Um, yeah. So finishing... That's what they got to do in uh in training the next few days. Finishing, 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 getting good shots in front of goal. Um and make sure the defense is sound for those counterattack moments. I think yeah. That will be big deals for sure. Yeah. So Okay, let's talk tomorrow real quick about what's going on in the morning. We got two nice games tomorrow. Like really nice games. I mean all four of the games, there's some some value to them. But the last two, I think, are really, really, you know, intriguing. For sure. Start off with Tunisia, Australia. Um, 
I don't know how to feel about that game. I mean, Australia obviously played well for about five minutes of the France game and then, you know, got shredded after that. Obviously, I don't expect them to lose by four or five like they did the other day, but I don't know. Um, Poland, Saudi Arabia is after that. Um, My feelings have been known about this game. Please make it a draw. Please make it a draw, both teams. Um, I guess if I want somebody to win, it's Poland, I guess. But Lord Almighty, may the Saudis not win. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I hope they're fine with just getting their rules Royce that they just got from their right. their Next ruler season. or their leader, which is just so crazy to me. And they, <laughs> they live with that and they can just chill out. Um, right. Then we have a really interesting France-Denmark game, um, which I think is going to be really fun. Yeah. I love Denmark, like we talked about earlier in the week. This is obviously going to be France's toughest uh, game in the group stage. Very curious to see if Deschamps keeps the same lineup or if he does a little bit of tinkering. I'm curious to see how Denmark responds after getting frustrated the other day. Um, before we talk about the last game, what are your thoughts on those three games going into tomorrow morning? Um, I mean, yeah, Group D is still wide open. Obviously, France is going to win. But, I mean, Denmark and Tunisia both sitting at a point. Australia is not out of it. And I think if they have a chance to pick up three points, it's probably against Tunisia. Um, That being said, I was severely, not severely, that's the wrong word, but I was surprised by this Tunisia team. Like I said, I didn't really know anything about them. So I don't think that they're an easy opponent by any means. So I'm very excited for that game because it's a must win for both teams, honestly. Um, That France-Denmark game is going to be really good as well. Like you said, France's toughest competition in that group. Um, honestly, a must-win for Denmark as well if they want to get through. So I, I just like the games where there's a must-win factor because you know it's going to be exciting. Um, you know it's going to be passionate. That's what we want to see. Um, Poland, Saudi Arabia, interesting as well. Uh, group Group C is a lot like Group B. We've talked a little bit about it, but this is very much so the Wales, Iran equivalent um yeah i think the result you want here is a draw um but yeah i mean i guess it wouldn't hurt too bad if poland wins it's still kind of the same gist of what needs to happen for mexico yeah okay why don't you talk about argentina mexico first try to make me feel better about (laughs) my team's (laughs) chances my country's chances because boy i I'm a little scared, but yeah, dude. I mean, understandable, right? Understandable to be scared. Like this Argentina team just came off of an upset, and like that's a valid concern. But like I said last episode, like it was an upset purely because they were offside, and I don't think that they're going to come into this game changing a lot, and I don't think that they're going to come into this game too hot-headed, right? Because I think especially players like Lionel Messi know, like, you keep your you keep a cool head in the situation, right? You don't get, you don't lose your temper. You don't go crazy. You don't, like, do anything out of the ordinary. I think it's going to be business as usual for Argentina. Um, that being said, I think it's going to be a, another test for Memo Ochoa. Um, like, 
he's going to need to do his thing again, which I have full confidence that he will. Um, honestly, I think Mexico, I don't, I don't know what, I don't know the sticks of the Mexican national team. You obviously know that better than I do, but I think similarly to the U S like if there's going to be a goal in this game, like from Mexico, it needs, it should come early. Like, I think they need to come out, out of the gate and show what they're going to be about in this game. Um, I hope that y'all get the striker situation figured out. I hope someone shows up, whether that's Raul or whoever it needs to be. Um, and yeah, I mean, honestly, I think y'all's defense is fine. I think it's going to be fine because like we talked about with this Argentina team, like Messi is not really, I mean, he can have his moments of taking command and just doing his thing, but it's Di Maria that you need to shut down, right? Um, it's those crosses coming from Di Maria's side. And then it's just making sure that you're there in the middle for the crosses. So I think that that's something y'all are fully capable of doing. And I can honestly, like, as much as I don't, like, coming into this tournament, I, I think I, I was rooting for Argentina just because I'm a huge Messi fan. Um, so if y'all do beat them, that would be very sad. Um, just because that would eliminate Argentina, which is insane that they're in this position position anyways. Um, but, I mean, I can... I can see y'all getting a win here, honestly. I think y'all are a really good team. Okay, I feel a little bit better. (laughs) Just a tiny bit. Dude, I think this is the chance to score from open play. Yeah. And you know why I think that? Why is that? Because we don't have a tall team, Mm -hmm. but Argentina's defense is not tall. Like, Christian Romero is the tallest of the center backs. Mm Mm-hmm. Their wingbacks are not tall, regardless of if they start Otamendi or Lisandro tomorrow. Yeah. They're not tall, especially Lisandro. Lisandro's short as heck. He's probably my height, and I'm not a tall human being. Um, <laughs> so this is the chance for our kind of short front line of Lozano and, and Vega and, and Henry Martin or Raul or whoever to take advantage, you know. Um, I think the selection of midfield is really, really important tomorrow. And please God, Tata Martino, if you're listening to me, please get this translated. First of all, actually, no, I'm going to say it in Spanish because I literally speak Spanish. Por favor, no pongas a Héctor Herrera en este juego. Por favor. Porque no, él es horrible. Él es horrible. Por qué no tienes a tu capitán guardado en este juego? I'm translated. The translation of that is start Andres Guardado. Over Hector Herrera all day, every day. I've said this about Hector Herrera ever since the rumor came out that he was going to Houston. He should not be on this team because he's setting himself up for failure by going to MLS in the prime of his career at the end of his prime. And he was awful when he got to the Dynamo this year. And he was awful on Tuesday. He was the worst of the midfielders by far. You've got to get Andres Guardado, the steady presence that he's been for this national team for so long into the game. Even if he doesn't play the full 90, he has to start the game. There is no excuse for him to not be yeah. in there. Keep the other two guys in there. Keep Edson Alvarez, who's been a star for Ajax this year. Keep him there. Keep uh, Luis Chavez. Yes, Luis Chavez in there as well, who did not have a spectacular game on Tuesday, but did fine. Keep the same back line. I was really impressed with how Montez and Moreno played. Yeah. Uh, Eric Sanchez, um, who or Jorge Sanchez, who plays for... Uh, uh, IX as well. Um, he will be key at right back. 
Um, he better not pick up another yellow card because he's on a yellow, um, as well as Moreno. Um, the subs also got to be right. Um, I don't know how I feel about uh, Raul at this point um, because he's just been so hurt. But also yeah. don't love our uh, striker options either. So make sure you get a right. I, I don't mind Herrera coming in in the 70th minute to relieve Guardado um, and play 20 minutes because I think he's useful in that regard. But he can't start the game. He just can't. He He'll get shredded, shredded by Messi. At least Guardado will be able to keep up. Um, big key line of decisions. I, I need Lozano to, to really get into it um, and to take advantage of the, the small margin of opportunities that he'll have because um, I don't think there will be a lot. Um, he's so good in the counterattack. I need him to, to keep it going. I need Vega to have another great game again. He had, was spectacular on Tuesday. I was really impressed by him. Yeah. And also, for his sake, he should have another good game so he can go play in Europe and not play in Mexico, you know? Right. Um, so, big, big game. For the sake of this tournament and for my personal sake, I do not want to be the cause of Lionel Messi uh, being eliminated in his final <laughs> World Cup. Dude, everyone so, would be after y'all's head. I know. I, I honestly would feel super bad if that happened. So, I hope... There's a draw. I hope it ends yeah. up being a draw in that regard. What is that? I don't do? mind. I don't mind if we lose to them, but I yeah. hope we get a draw. So ideally, Saudis and Poland draw. That would put Saudi at four at points. Four. Poland at two. You guys at two. Argentina at one. So you'd be tied for second still. Tied yes. on goal difference as well because at the time, right, right. So then the next game is Mexico, Saudi Arabia, Poland, Argentina. Yeah. So then that would be a must win by more points, more goals than Poland if they beat Argentina. But if Argentina Oh man, dude. No, Argentina, Argentina would probably have to get a couple goals, yeah. Yeah, dude, if well if y'all wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. If everybody ties, Argentina won't go through. If y'all win. Tomorrow? Against Saudi Arabia. Oh, if we went against Saudi Arabia. No, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because they would just have three. Yeah, dude. Holy crap. So it's either... It's already either... Oh my gosh. It's either y'all or Saudi or, or Argentina. Yeah, like... The, the Saudis could draw on tomorrow and then lose uh-huh. to us. And that's how they would get out. Depending on if Argentina wins and has a better goal difference. Yeah. And I think they're going to win against Poland. Because I think they should shred Poland. They were not good yeah, the other day. Should. Poland didn't. No. Dude, that's crazy. Saudi Arabia picking up three is actually nuts, bro. Yeah. It, um, the balance of this group is so odd tomorrow. Yeah, like, this is crazy. Now, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <sighs> Holy moly. Holy moly. So, yeah. Man, this, I, this turned into, like, the. I still think, in my opinion, Group E is the best group. Uh which the not Canada, to victory. Belgium group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not to victory lap Japan over Germany, but, <laughs> but yeah, Group C has definitely turned into like the the group to watch for sure because this is crazy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, man. Big big day. May the football gods give us kindness, grace, 
And if if Messi does damage, minimal damage. (laughs) Because if we lose, I hope we don't lose by like four or five. You know what I mean? Like we do not need a a bad goal differential. Yeah. Um, It's the last thing you want. In any case, yeah. Yeah. Oh, boy. Gonna be, I'm going to be real stressed from about 1 to 3 tomorrow afternoon. So make sure you check in on me. Um, um, <laughs> I I think that's a good place to end. We've, we've gone through a lot. Um, yeah, our USA discussion time. took like almost an hour, which is awesome. <laughs> um, and we'll we'll do it again uh, here pretty soon. Um, yes, sir. Am, am I missing it? Am I really not missing anything, just to be sure? No, yeah. I mean, we, we briefly covered tomorrow's slate. Uh, and we covered every game from Morocco, Croatia, and we had talked about every game before that yeah. as well. Okay, cool. Yeah, we've we've covered every single game, covered the four tomorrow. Sweet. Uh, we're sitting good. We're sitting good. Look at us go. Listener, yeah. if, if you have uh, made it through, bless you. Bless you and your kind soul. Uh, be sure to leave a rating and review on Spotify or Apple, wherever you listen to your podcast. Thanks for being here. Uh, shouts to Dawson for making three appearances in the span of like five days, which has never happened before. So kudos hey, to you, I my friend. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. It's been fun. Of course, man. Um, be sure to follow the both of us on social media. Uh, click on the links in the show notes for, you know, my music and my store and all that, you know, random fun stuff. I do have a listen to this recommendation for this week, and it is another podcast. Uh, if you are a Ted Lasso fan, are you a Ted Lasso fan? Dawson? I am, but I okay. haven't. I'm not up to date. Okay, so uh, there is a podcast, a World Cup podcast like ours that is out right now called uh, After the Whistle, I believe, and it's uh, Rebecca Lowe. She is the the lead host of uh, NBC and their Premier League coverage, and Brendan Hunt from Ted Lasso, um, Coach Beard, as we all know. Okay, and love. So they have been doing a pod about the World Cup, and it's awesome it is so so good um so listeners give that a listen in fact one of the episodes this week i haven't listened to it yet but has sudeikis jason sudeikis on it no Um, way so that that should be a good listen um yeah y'all go check that out it's pretty solid um it's it's not long either it's like 30 40 minutes an episode so kudos to them for actually having decently length episodes unlike this one which is almost two hours but it's fine um (laughs) Y'all give that a listen, and there's a whole host of other good podcasts about the World Cup right now. Like The Athletic has been doing an amazing job with their reporting, so kudos to them as well. Um, ESPN is fine. I don't, I don't love their soccer coverage or their football coverage, but The Athletic has been great, so give them a listen as well. But yeah, after the whistle, um, it's on. I think it's just on Apple, though, um, just to be clear. So we will do this again at some point. You might hear from Dawson next. You might hear from Clayton next. Got some fun stuff coming in the break between the round of 16 and the quarterfinal. So stay tuned for that. We just keep on rolling with World Cup stuff. Until next time, be good and do good. Sign us out. Peace.